Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. Let me just jump right in without any explanation and read a few verses of Scripture to you. Listen closely. I promise you not one second will be wasted this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 says, Yet we do speak a wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, it's not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom, the hidden wisdom, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Here it comes. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. And here's the line that I love and quote so often. If they would have, excuse me, for if they had understood, if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There's two potential ways of approaching that last verse. One is it's the rulers of this age and and commentators seem to be sort of split on it. Or that it's referring to spiritual, to spiritual principalities and powers, you know, those invisible forces that work against our lives on a daily basis. But here's the deal. The two points is this. Listen, if they had understood it, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. It can mean one of two things. Number one, if they would have really known the wisdom and the intent of God, they would have never crucified him. I don't believe that's what it means because there was only one way that redemption was coming to mankind and it was through a cross. Here's what I believe instead. I believe that verse means this, that if the powers of darkness, scripture speaks to about our adversary, the devil, throughout the Bible it's referred to as Satan. And can I say to you, there is a very real force at work against your life and against the well-being of this planet and against the church of Jesus Christ. And if you think not, I can talk with you, I I believe and show you in scripture that it's not just mystical whatever, but it is a substantive reality we're engaged in, that spiritual warfare. And here's what I believe, that if they would have understood what Paul, the writer of this letter, would also write, that it was on the cross that Jesus Christ overcame them and conquered them. See. I believe that in another realm, if you will, picture the cross of Christ on that hill called Golgotha, just outside Jerusalem. Picture it, there's three crosses. Our savior is on the center one and there's a thief on either side. It's a, it's a well, well-known story. You hardly can grow up in the United States of America, even if you don't attend church and not hear that message. But picture, if you will, in your mind, that in a realm just beyond what we can see, there are gathered, encircling, perhaps an invisible coliseum of sorts where all the hosts of hell have gathered to cheer on the fact that at this moment, the hopes of mankind would be crushed. At this very moment, every hope that mankind should have be receiving through the Son of God, the Redeemer, would be crushed and finished forever. But I believe something began to happen towards the end as they saw 
those hands being nailed and the Savior beginning to die. And there's a much longer story that goes with this that goes all the way back to the beginning of Genesis in chapter 14. But let me just tell you this, that as they begin to see him die, I believe they became aware that something was happening that was not working out in their favor. And to that end, Paul sums it up as this. If, if those principalities and powers would have understood that what they were doing to the Savior would in, was in fact not going to end it, but would unleash it, they never would have done it. Why is that important? Because I believe it's the same principle. I believe it's the identical principle that God uses as he creates the testimony through his son, Jesus Christ, we're going to read about in a moment. It's the same way he creates a testimony in you and me. Watch this. God essentially took hell's best shot against humanity, which was, let's crucify this would-be savior. And he took that and he has exalted it. He has exalted it to the highest redemptive potential or simply like this way. We need to understand that God still takes hell's best shot against your life and transforms it into heaven's highest hope in terms of how he will work for you. I believe that, I know it. Every one of these pieces of cardboard say that. We can go ahead and give God praise because that's what we're doing that far. Father, we praise you and bless your name. Let me keep moving. I wanna give you some examples of that if I might. You've seen him walk across the stage. I know the story of my, of my brother Steve very well. And uh, when you see that how he flipped the script, how God flipped the script with Jesus, he did it with people like Steve Rogers, Matt Johnson, Karen Blunt, Jamie, oh my goodness, what a power, where are you? Where are you, right, right behind, over there. Oh my goodness, girl, how amazing. Stand up so they can see who I'm talking about. What a testimony you need to hear more about that. See, I know the story from my brother who flew into a jungle living a life in the grip of sin. These are his words, not mine. I'm not beating him down. Running drugs, only to crash in the middle of a jungle. Let me tell you what God does. He ends up in a South American prison in fear of his life, and he meets God. And he has spent the last 40 year plus years since walking into the jungles of sin and as a pastor shepherd, leading people out of their own captivity and bondage. That's how testimony works. You saw it in Pastor Chip Bates, Pastor Matt Johnson. You've seen it in the number of people that have walked across this platform. But let me give you one more testimony that has sort of been left out. You two guys come out here. It's not theirs, it's someone else's, but I wanna tell it. You can see the cardboard said, when I was born, my parents were forced to leave our home country. Our homeland was overrun by war. When I grew up, I returned to help my people who were devastated. In exchange, they murdered me. It's a horrible story, isn't it? Three days after they killed me, God raised me from the dead. Now all of mankind can be redeemed. That's the testimony of Jesus. That's the testimony of Jesus. And I'm gonna skip ahead because my heart just, thank you gentlemen. I want you to listen to something from 1 John chapter five, verses nine through 12. Amanda, I don't, you're awesome. I didn't know if I even sent them to you. Boy, she's great. Listen closely. If we receive the testimony of men, 
The testimony of God is greater. Anybody here excited to know that God has a testimony? When God shows up and says, let me testify. The testimony of God is greater for the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. The one who believes in the son of God has this testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son, verse 11. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the uh, son does not have the life. That's good news. Let me give you another passage of scripture. By the way, I need to say something to you about what I, I, my heart is overwhelmed. I'm gonna let this force me to stay on track because I wanna run around all through this audience and grab people by the hand or the face or whatever you let me grab and say, you're a testimony in process, you're a testimony in process. I wanna go stand right in front of that camera way back there and fill it with my extra wide face and say, you're a testimony in process, you're a testimony in process. Listen to this. The cross, the death, and resurrection is the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's three or four things I wanna tell you about testimony. Testimony is the means by which I unleash the overcoming power of his cross. Hang on, that's not the first one. Take that one down, man, I got the wrong one. Woo, Lord help me here. Testimony, it's the means by which God takes our past, our pain, our sin, and our sorrow, and he transforms it into an expression of his grace and power. I want you to see that again. I want you to see that again. Testimony is the means by which God takes our past, our pain, our sin, and our sorrow, and he transforms it into an expression of his grace and power. Now, if you can't write that fast, Amanda, leave it right there and just grab a picture of that right up there, okay? And take that home with you because it's a fact. And that's not just a clever sermon thing, that's Bible. That's Bible, okay? Revelation chapter 12, verses seven through 11. On Wednesday nights, we're moving through the book of Revelation. I can't encourage you enough to come. This Wednesday night, I'll be sort of pushing a pause button and we're just gonna stop and talk about what does the Bible say about the rapture? So that's this Wednesday night at 6.30. But I can't wait to continue through and get to this chapter. It'll probably be in part two that we do at the first of the year. But I love this book because I have retitled the series on the fly, Revelation, colon, you're gonna be okay. In every page I turn, it's a statement. God says, yes, things are happening, have happened, and will happen. But I am the God who is, who was, and the God who is to come. And whatever is happening, has happened, or will happen, I'm gonna be there at every moment of it all, and you're gonna be okay. Turn and tell somebody right now, says that's what the book says, you're gonna be okay. Tell them that, come on. But right here, Revelation chapter 12, verse seven, there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon here is identified as nothing other than Satan. You'll see that in a moment. The dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. <laughs> well, that's a picture, isn't it? And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan and deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice 
in heaven saying, now salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. And for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down and he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Here's the next principle we need to take away. Testimony is the means, but from this verse, listen. Testimony is the means by which I unleash the overcoming power of his cross in my life. I want us to get that. You need to find some occasion every day, somewhere, in some way. Man, this is one of those moments I really wish I could go out, honestly, and sort of grab you by the face and say, watch my lips, listen to every word. I'm not doing preacher hype. I'm not trying to get you excited. I'm trying to give you a moment here, a a scriptural principle. I I really wish I could go and and let me be rude here and point you and say you and you and you and you and you and and in the camera and you find an opportunity some way in every day to tell some piece of your story of where you've been and where God's brought you to. It may be only in passing for 60 or 90 seconds, but I believe this. I believe what I'm about to say. These verses of scripture said they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Do you understand that association that there's never a moment when I offer my testimony, see, listen, listen, because I don't have a testimony if God doesn't have one. The testimony of Jesus is that he was killed, he died, and he came back from the dead, and he has conquered death, hell, and the grave, and because the word says he overcame, I will overcome. Do you understand that number one, if he doesn't have a testimony, I don't have one. But here's the other side that bugs the snot out of hell that if I do have a testimony, it is only because of that one. So when I open my mouth about my story on a spiritual realm before that same crowd, if you will, coliseum of principalities and powers, when I dare mention the fact that I have a testimony, they understand I only have one because he has one, and the one that he has is the cross, and they don't like hearing about the cross. Can I go ahead and just tell you this right now? One of the reasons they hate, and I used to have a cross position, that's probably still there, so that it could drop and lower it. Genesis 14, the first covenant um, was initiated by Abraham as he lifted his hands before heaven and earth. That second, uh, not second, but uh, the last covenant, the new covenant, brought by Jesus Christ. A covenant is a means by which God reaches to humanity, by the way. That covenant, God reaching and saying, I'm reaching. I want to make an agreement with you. I want to make myself available to you. I want to make myself ready, uh, readily available for you. That's what a covenant does. God acting from his side saying, I'm here if you want me. I'm here to help you if you need me. I'll always be there. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And beloved, can I tell you that there was a second thing that I happened is the, that I believe is the most powerful poetic picture. That when that last covenant was executed on and through the cross, the Bible tells us that. Here's the picture. When they nailed him, it was like this. But when he ran out of breath and died, they said his body slumped and a terrible thing happened. You see, in Genesis 14, when Abram lifted his hand 400 years later, God says, if he lifted his hand, it's an act of oath and covenant. God would say, on the day he lifted his, I lifted mine. That's important. Why? Because it's a binding agreement. 
In Matthew 16, we studied just last week, says, whatever you make binding on earth shall have been made binding in the heavenlies. Can I tell you this? That when the Savior died and his body fell down, his hands went up. And when his hands went up, I believe principalities and powers looked and said, no, I was here a couple thousand years ago when this happened in the wilderness and it didn't work out well for us. And I don't think it's gonna work out well for us today because there was a second set of hands lifted towards heaven by none other than Jesus Christ himself. And on that cross, when he lifted his hands and made binding the oath and covenant, the last covenant, it is forever available to us. But can I tell you this? Every time you lift up holy hands, guess what fits those hands? Guess what fits? Guess what fits? A cross. And the last thing hell wants to be reminded of is that testimony. It's why I encourage people here, I don't care. You say, I'm not a hand lifter, I'm not one of those. I'm really more subdued. That's fine, it really is. You don't have to lift your hands, but you get to. And when people come in and say, well, that's not really who I am. I, I love for someone to say that. Men say that, seemingly. More, more, and I love getting to talk to men and, and getting up close, close to men. I'm, I'm going to pick on you. It's Jason, right? Come here, son. I'll pick on you. Walk right down front here so we can get in that light or it's dark in the camera. You walk up to me and you say, well, Pastor Tom, that's just not the kind of, I'm not that kind of guy. You know, I say, bro, I get that. That's all good. But guess what? Let me give you a good theological working definition of worship. Worship is the process by which God's trying to make you something other than what you are. So the good news is you can say that's not what I are. And God says, great, I'm giving you the opportunity that you can be, are, be, am something other than you am or are. That's why we do that. That's why we worship. Thank you. You see, there's no greater act of worship than obedience in the big sense. And I encourage people here. When I lift up holy hands, I believe God leads back. See, I believe that just lifting holy hands, Hans, I can build this theologically, is a testimony. I walk in here, I can't, I'm sorry, this isn't in my notes. It happens. I walk in here and say, Father, life has been coming against me. Stuff has been happening. Hell is trying to derail the very promises of my life. But Lord, I'm just gonna lift up holy hands in the same fashion that if I lift up holy hands here on earth, whatever I make binding on earth shall have been made binding in the heavens. That's number one. But number two is this. I just want to remind hell. I just want to remind hell. And here's the principle. That a testimony is reminding hell of the last time they tried and failed. Watch this. See, I want you to get this. Picture this. We watch all sorts of sci-fi uh, CG animation and stuff. So I want to picture you standing across and this dark cloud of millions of evil forces. And it's going to say, I'm going to crush your life, take your children, ruin your finances. You're going to be lost in this pandemic. It's going to be horrible. We don't know what's going on. And we're sitting there saying, oh, what am I going to do? I got an idea. We look back at it and say, take that. Why? That's the cross. You know what fits right there. And when I lift my hands, I'm a child of the cross. I'm here because of the cross. I exist because of the cross. I have a testimony because of the testimony of the cross. And you can be telling me it's not going to work out. Mm -mm -mm. 
but I know the end of the story. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise right there. I got one more thing to tell you, I think. Testimony today is going to be that Pastor Tom managed. I got that one. Testimony is a reminder to spiritual forces. The spiritual forces of darkness of the last time they attempted and failed. Have I done all the scripture you need to hear? I have. <laughs> if you're here today and you don't have a testimony, if you're watching online, you're saying, I, I, I don't, you can have a testimony. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior and invited him to be the one that takes the story of your life and transforms it into an expression of grace and power. I want to say again, and I wish we had a lot more time. I'm serious. Tomorrow morning, Lord, give me an opportunity. Most days, uh, most days I get to share some piece of my story or testimony with someone because it, it so impacts how the gospel is communicated, which is how testimony works. Remember, God takes hell's best shot and turns it into a tool of redemption in your life and through your life to impact the world around you. And you may not feel it when you just say, well, this, this is my story. That, see, if I were to sum up what was on that card about the Cub Scout leader, it's this, it, shame just crushed my life, shame. And shame defined here in our series last year from Brene Brown is the sense that you're not enough and won't be enough. Shame crushed my life. But I have a story to tell of a God I met and a Holy Spirit whose grace and power lives in me. And I am enough. I am enough by the blood of the Lamb. I am enough by the resident power of the Holy Spirit, and so are you. I get the chance to tell that. Can I tell you, whenever you just tell a little bit of your story, you don't have to go into the cross. You don't have to say the blood of the Lamb. You don't have to say those words. Just tell a piece of your story. See, because where the real battle's happening is beyond the visible realm. And those listening on the other side, not the human you're talking to, but I'm talking about those spiritual forces and powers, they know what you're up to. Matter of fact, you can just look past the shoulder of the person talking to you and say, you know what I'm doing here, don't you? And then go back. Now, don't do that. They'll think you're whacked. It's okay, though. That's not a bad place to be. People think that about me most days. It's good, I'm telling you. And it creates space between you and other people. You know, <clears throat> that'll come to you later. But here's what hit me as I was walking down the back hallway and there was someone coming down the hall and I've known the journey of their life for the last several years. And I really believe it was the Holy Spirit prompted me, Pastor Don, to turn around and say, that thing is gonna end up. I said, hey, son, that thing's gonna end up on a piece of cardboard. Here's my closing image. I, I wish I would have, this had come to me earlier so I could cue this. And I don't know, is Matt back there today? No, yes, no. Now, not, we have a spotlight, a cue setting right here. And I wish we could black the whole room to where I could be right here in this little spotlight all by itself and on my knees, okay? And here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do this week because there's some of you sitting here who you're walking through your testimony right now. You're walking through it. You don't know that. I remember my brother, he died in 1994 of AIDS. Hilarious, amazing person of passionate pursuit of God and faith. He just would not surrender the battle. It was a battle he fought and continued to fight hard after God, irrespective of the things that would push back and seek to define him otherwise. 
But when he would be going through adversity, and especially in the last year or so when the disease really affected him so much physically, and even towards the very end when all it was was a very whisper, he'd lift that hand up and he'd say, bro, I know there's a testimony up in here somewhere. Anybody hear that? I dare you to say that to the face of hell. I dare you to say it when you're facing your thing this week. Or better yet, I got a better one that came from the back hallway encouragement. That we're on our knees praying and we're talking to God. And there's a moment at which in prayer, I'd love to teach on it in terms of intercession, when we really don't just talk to him, but we turn, if you will, empowered by him silhouetting us. I want you to get that picture of us turning to make a declaration outward, outward and we're silhouetted by this amazing throne of God, the Son of God, the Spirit of God, sort of standing behind us. So when we speak, whatever's out there really isn't looking at me, it's looking right past it. By the way, it's been some years since I told, I'll be back here on my knees in a minute. Let me tell you this story, it's great. I had a training officer, African-American, brother. I love him to death. I wish I'd, I should reach out. I'll reach out to him this week, having told you about Bernard Moore. I'm going to tell him to come watch this service. 6'4", 240, big muscular guy. He was about 10 years older than me when I started police work. I was young. They had to sign a waiver. And, uh, and so he was my training officer for the street, and I rode with him. Train, he trained me, and and uh, so we were at this situation outside a very large bar and hundreds of people, a crime had taken place, a, a physical thing, a shooting. And we were trying to find the initial pieces of it so as the detectives would come in and pick up. But we were in uniform on the street. I was with him. And there was a guy that pulled up, great big guy on a motorcycle with no baffles in a muffler. And he pulled up just to be disruptive, right on the edge of it. He's going, rawr, rawr, and he says, and uh, uh, Bernard looked at me and he says, uh, go over there and tell him to shut that off or leave. So I did it by the book, baby. Brand new on the street, walked over and said, excuse me, sir, deputy Sturbins, uh, you're interrupting our investigation. You'll need to cease and desist, turn that motorcycle off or leave. This guy was huge. He looks at me and goes, I, looked, I said, sir, did, you'll need to either leave or turn that off. You're interrupting. You're impeding an investigation. It's obstruction of justice. He looks at me and goes, everybody now, the crowd's gathering because it's really fun. Third time, I got really forceful. I said, listen, if you don't leave in the next 10 seconds, I'm going to arrest you for obstruction of justice. Do you understand, sir? He looked at me, reached over, turned the key, and switched it off. I said, yeah. He knows who the man is. A little respect. There were other officers there that told me the story later. See, I didn't have any credibility. I didn't have a, a testimony on the street. But what happened was, Bar Bernard Moore had been with a pad in his hand. I remember how he was standing when I turned my back. He had been over here interviewing people. He just, about the third time, he eased over to where that fellow's line of sight 
fellow was here, I'm here. He was right over my shoulder and he leaned out like this. And the third time I said, sir, if you do not leave or turn that off, I'm gonna arrest you for obstruction of justice. Right, coincidentally, Bernard couldn't hear what I was saying, but right at that time, Bernard had his pad in his hand. He looked at the guy like that and the guy caught his eye and he he goes, guy goes, boom. I'm standing here going, yeah. Back to my story. Do you get that that's what happens when you pray? You're not a threat to hell on your own. But you got somebody right over your shoulder. You got the Savior himself at the right hand of God that says, I met you at the cross. It didn't work out well, did it? And he's back there going. So here's my prayer as I'm facing those things this week. You get ready for it. I challenge you to pray it. I challenge you to get on your knees and face your circumstances, animate them, make them a person, if you will. And I want you to look them right in the face and say, you need to understand something. As bad as you're trying to make it for me right now, here is my confidence. You're going to end up on a piece of cardboard someday. Anybody get that? Anybody get that? Anybody going to pray that prayer this week? You're going to end up on a piece of cardboard someday. Everybody stand to your feet. Why? Oh, oh, oh. I know what God did not fail. Oh, I know the story I tell. I'm serious. You got something this week you're going through? Here's my prayer. Father, imprint on our hearts in this room. Father, in the rooms beyond this room that are watching right now. If you're out there watching, wherever you're sitting in your living room, sitting on your back porch, I don't know where you are. God forbid you're watching it while you're driving. You need extra prayer. But I want you to take one hand and oath and covenant and agree with me right now in the name of Jesus. This is God, I already know the story I'm gonna tell. It doesn't feel like it right now, but I know the story I'm gonna tell because I know your story. And I only have a testimony because you have one. And the one that you have can never be shaken. I challenge, I'm serious. This isn't preacher hype. This week, you're looking at financial loss being set Uh, let go or jobs terminated or something to do with this crazy virus to look it in the face and say I want to declare right now I want to declare that God is going to take your best shot and transform it into heaven's highest hope that God's going to take your shot and transform it into a testimony I'm going to share with somebody else and encourage them I want you to know that one day not far from now You're just going to be a story on a piece of cardboard. You will not destroy my life. You will not take my life. I will stand and I will have a testimony. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.